Well, good morning, everyone. Beautiful Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday. What a blessing to be here, and what a blessing for me personally, I think, to be among you and having an opportunity to share God's Word. I'm really excited because I get to take off my mask. That's not the reason why I'm excited only, but seeing all of you here uh, is a blessing. So most of you know that today is the first time, as Sophie mentioned, that we are meeting indoors after over a year. So that's... I know some of you guys, you guys miss the uh, sun in your face and birds chirping out there and fire trucks driving by down Painter Street, but we're, we're glad to be here. For those of you that are joining us online, we're so grateful that you are, and uh, welcome. Just welcome, everyone. I know some of you are here for the first time. I, I, um, I realize that. So I want to invite you to if, uh, go online, crosspointchristianchurch.com. I don't know if you got a chance to scan uh, something on your way in, but if you, if you did, if you would uh, share your information with us, just some basic information, we would love to have that because we want to stay in contact with you, let, let you know what, what's going on here at Crosspoint and see how we can serve you. So if you would do that, we would highly appreciate that. For those of you who haven't been here in a while but are here, uh, welcome, welcome. We're happy to have you, and uh, we hope that this morning's service will be a blessing to you. Was, was the singing wonderful? Oh, bless his name, oh, praise his name, our band. Have been. They've, been, they've been practicing really hard, as they always do, and uh, it's such a blessing to be able to be led that way in, in worship. I have a couple of announcements that I want to get out of the way now, um, and that would be, you probably saw that on the south side, of, or the lawn on the south side, we have a picture booth set up. We would love to take your picture. Uh, we won't share that with anyone other than ourselves here. Uh, we're, we are trying to update our, our our directory or our communications, and um, we figure a lot of you would be here today, so it'd be a good day to take your picture. If you, if you, if you, so that's that's out there, and I, I understand too. Uh, you can take a family picture; they will email it to you. Uh, of course, no charge to you. They'll be they'll be set up. Some of you guys already took your picture, but they'll be set up after the English service. You may know that at 10:30 we have a Spanish service. They did ask me to to tell you. Uh, sometimes we like to stick around and talk. If we could uh, empty this place by 10.10, I'll do my best to finish at 10. No promises there. But by 10.10, if we can be out, hang out outside, take your picture, grab a coffee on your way out. Let me know how Lance did with that coffee. Anybody try it already? I see some of you guys. Pretty good. You guys look all hyper, so I think it's a... All right. We should make that mandatory. What do you think, Lise? Okay. Let me tell you that growth groups is something that we implemented uh, at the beginning of, of this year. We were hoping to get about 80% of our regular attendees to join a growth group because we think that being committed to spiritual growth in a small group is key to, to spiritual growth. And um, most of you guys did, the great majority. We were hoping for 80%, which would have been really great. We're, we had about over 120 people sign up, and there's probably about... A hundred of you here now, so I think we, we smashed that 80% goal, thank God. And I'm happy to report everybody stayed on, they're excited, and so I tell you because if you did not get an opportunity to sign up for whatever reason, we're not going to judge you anymore, and we're past that, we're past that already, but if, if you would sign up, 
do yourself a favor, but we have over 10 growth groups meeting at various times throughout the week, groups of about 12, anywhere between 10 and 15 people. There's some groups that, that could use about four or six people more. Uh, so let me know. Talk to me. We're not going to have an open sign-up. Just talk to me. We'll, we'll try to place you wherever fits best with your schedule and, and with the leaders that are, that are out there. But I really would highly encourage you to do that. Um, we have April off from our growth groups, and then May will start our second trimester. So really, really consider that. Be in prayer about that. For those of you that are fairly new, uh, of course, you know, COVID, the whole pandemic situation kind of threw a monkey wrench at the whole thing. So some of you guys have been coming for about a year, and we still don't really know each other because we haven't had a lot of opportunities to socialize. Um, most of you are wearing a mask, and so you probably don't even recognize each other without a mask, uh, which is the weirdest thing, right? When you get to know someone with a mask, and then they finally take it off, you're like, well, that's not what I was, I don't, I don't even know. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I don't know. But um, we are going to have this coming Sunday, a week from today, we're going to have a meet the church leaders, the pastor and the elders lunch at noon. So if, if really you've joined our church and you stuck around for the last year or so, send me an email. Let's, let's get you RSVP'd and, um, and let's have lunch. Myself, my family, the elders, their families, and then you and your family. So if you've been here 10 years, you probably don't qualify for that, all right? You may get a, a rejected RSVP. I don't know. We'll have something different for that. But if you're fairly new, and maybe this is up to you, like you feel like you don't even know who the elders are and, and uh, you don't know much about me or anything, that's probably a good, a good uh, place for you to, to join us and uh, bring your family. Let's get to know each other. We're, we'll share a meal very CDC guided, all right? We're, not, we're still working on that, but it'll be outdoors at noon on the 11th. Deal? And then just email me. We'll, we'll get you all signed up. Very good. I have two more announcements really quick. One is that we have uh, a, prayer, a prayer team that we're really excited about. We always talk about prayer. I think for most Christians, our prayer life is never where it should be or could be or where we would like for it to be. And as a church, I think most churches are, are on the same boat. We have a prayer team led by uh, our sister Monique and our brother Lance. And they have a, a prayer booth that I would highly invite you to, to visit. That's also like a welcome center. So if you're here for the first time, we probably have a couple of goodies for you. Um, and also at the end of the service, we're going to have a couple up here ready to pray for you or with you. And I believe another couple somewhere in the back. But then we'll also have our, our booth, our prayer booth, uh, all manned up for you. And I would encourage you, if, if there's something that you're struggling with, if there's something that you, you want prayer for, just take a step of faith and, uh, and share with, with one of our, our couples or somebody from our prayer team. Last thing I'm going to say, isn't this a wonderful setup? Come on. Yeah? No? Uh, most, of, most of you guys are like, oh, yeah, yeah, it is, it is. Well, well uh, I just want to thank everybody who... This has been in the works for like a year, right? All the remodeling and all that good stuff. And a lot of you have put in a lot of time coming in, setting everything up, tearing it down, setting it up again. And finally, uh, we've probably set it up and torn it down maybe five or six times before we've actually had this service. And so for all of you that have taken the time to come and help us out with that, thank you. And 
I don't know if you noticed, but there was a ton of volunteers this morning, right? You had greeters, parking attendants, security people. Uh, I'm just uh, grateful and super encouraged, obviously, as a pastor, that we would have such an awesome attitude as a congregation, willing to say, uh, you know, Mike, uh, I don't know what to do, but sign me up for anything. I'm like, yes. I, that's music to my ears, literally, right? And so thank you for, for all of you. We have ushers in here led by Jason. And uh, that, that's, that's how the, the body of Christ is supposed to work. You've all been given talents, gifts. You have certain abilities. And as children of God, we belong to the body of Christ. And it is when we exercise those gifts that God has given us through the indwelling and empowering of the Holy Spirit. When we exercise those for God's glory and for the benefit of others, that's uh, we just read that in, in Ephesians. That's when the body grows, and we want to see that. All right. Oh, well, I said all of that about because I, I want to invite you to tear down the whole place after the service. That's what that was, all right? So at, at, we, ha- we do have a Spanish service at 1030, and after that, right around 1130, we are going to have a teardown party of sorts. So if you want to join us for that, if you're going to stick around and help us, that will be great. Uh, we can tear this whole thing down, put everything away in about, I want to say 30 minutes, but um, maybe 40, depending on how many people stick around. Just keep that in mind. If you came in and you got one of these, it is our privilege and our honor as children of God, as we get together as a local congregation, that as we get together to celebrate this table. So we're going to take communion at this time. If you walked in and you maybe missed it, you may want to raise your hand. I don't know if we can see you, but you can raise your hand and see if uh, we could get somebody, some of the ushers to come around and, uh, and give you one. So I think they're, they're getting them now. And to do that, I want to share uh, one verse with you. I have lots of favorite verses, but I'm going to share a verse that... Here at Crosspoint, if, if you have a wristband like the one that I have, it says Crosspoint on one side, and then on the other side, it says, uh, no longer I, no longer I. And that comes from uh, Galatians 2.20. And so let me read that, and as we get uh, the elements, for those of you who don't have one, just keep raising your hand. And let me share with you a couple of thoughts here from Galatians 2.20 in preparation for us to take communion together. So Galatians 2.20, this is Paul, the apostle, writing to the, not a church, but a series of churches in, in the region of Galatia, and he says the following. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ is in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Amazing, amazing. You know, today being Resurrection Sunday, we're celebrating the fact that Jesus, our Lord, died on a Friday, and he was buried, and on a Sunday morning, he rose again from the dead. We celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul here says, I have been crucified together with Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ at the cross was not paying for any of his sins, for he had none, right? He was born, he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, had no human dad, was born sinless, without a sinful nature, and lived a perfect life. And so, 
There was nothing for which he needed to die. And Paul says, I have been crucified together with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that, that God the Father made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, become sin for us, that we would become the righteousness of God in him. At the cross, Jesus, our Lord, took our place. That's a great exchange. The debt that we, pay, that we owed, he paid. The punishment that we deserved, he took upon himself. And so here, I'll just read it again, and then we'll take this together. Paul says, I have been crucified together with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, get this, who loved me and gave himself for me. As we keep that in mind, we peel back the first thin plastic layer. We take this bread, which is a little funny looking because it has, it's unleavened. And it's a symbol of the sinless body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take that together. Then we take the juice as a symbol of the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ who was shed on our behalf. The payment was paid with his own very life. Let's take that together. Thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for everybody who's here. For those joining us online, we ask for your guidance and your blessing. We want to honor and glorify your holy name. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. So this will probably be a little tricky, but what are you going to do with the cup? Like, I don't know what to do with my cup, but you have an option. The chair in front of you on the bottom has a little slot just for this, perfectly made for that. If you want to do that... Um, if you're the front row, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but if, if there's a chair in front of you, you might want to go in there and just kind of sneak that in there. If not, do with it whatever you want, all right? Okay. I want to share with you a message that I've entitled, If You Are the Christ. If You Are the Christ. Very interesting. On this Resurrection Sunday. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 43. So if you have a Bible, or if you want to follow along, God to Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 43. And I do have four points that I want to share, so we're going to go fairly quick. So listen to this. It says that there were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right side and one on the other, on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. 
and an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, and it said, this is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, as I was preparing for this message weeks ago, this idea of everybody taunting, making fun of, doubting, expressing their unbelief, telling the Lord, if you are the Christ, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Messiah, then do this, then do that. And that's why I entitled the message, If You Are the Christ. And I really believe there's some very important applications for us, even today. The main point that I want to share with you is this. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ glorifies God because it proves that he is who he claims to be. So we're going to... And I want to jump ahead, but I'm going to stick to my four points. All right? And let's start with the first point found in verses 32 and 33. And this is the procession towards punishment. And I'm going to go fairly quickly on this one. Verses 32 and 33, the procession towards punishment. Verse 32 that I just read, says, There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. The procession towards punishment. We're being introduced to this, this scene where the Lord is carrying his cross, we read in the other Gospels, and two other criminals with him. And they're walking towards their death. You know, Hebrews 11.27, sorry, it's 9.27. It's on my, on my notes, it says 11.27, but it's 9.27. It says that it is appointed for everyone to die once and then judgment. So part of the application that I want to make here and get us thinking... As, as we perhaps imagine the Lord carrying his cross and these other two criminals doing the same, walking towards Calvary, knowing that they are on their way to be executed. The Bible tells us that all of us, beloved, are on our way towards the end of our life. And I know that sounds a little, what a downer. I had a friend back in high school where we're volleyball buddies. He was, our, he was my setter. So all you volleyball players, you like your setters, right? You got to like your setters. And I had, I had an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And I remember to this day, he said, I don't know, Mike. You know, the way I see it, you're born, and from the minute you're born, you begin to die. Well, that's not exactly what I'm saying here. I'm like, yeah, you're skipping a lot of very important stuff here. But the reality is we understand that we are all, we all have an expiration date that we only have so much amount of life here on earth, 
And, and I just wanted to make that application and get us thinking about that. The fact that all of us here, we don't have tomorrow guaranteed. In fact, James 4.4 says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Isn't that true? We in our arrogance and sometimes false sense of control think that we got tomorrow figured out, we got next year figured out, we got the next five years figured out, ten years, and whatever. But whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life, James says, it is even a vapor that appears for a little time, and then it just vanishes away. You know, this last month, March, I had a, I presided over a couple of funeral services, and it's always a reminder that today is really all we have, and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But we don't have to know what's going to happen tomorrow if we have our trust in Jesus Christ, who has paid our debt and has promised us eternal life. But, but here we see the procession towards punishment. And like I said, I'm not going to spend too much time on that. Just kind of get us thinking about that. And then my second point in verse 34 is the plea for pardon. I wanted to mention that. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ is on the cross. He's already been betrayed by a friend, Judas. Uh, his disciples have already scattered, except John um, and some women that were there at the cross. He was beaten and tortured. And then now he's hanging on the cross. And what he says is amazing. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. He could have said so many things, right? And he said other things according to the Gospels. But can you imagine the suffering the pain, the anguish, not just physical, which would have been enough, but emotional. And that's us not even being able to comprehend what's happening in the spiritual realm with him and the Father and the Trinity. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. The Bible is clear. We're all sinners, and the payment for that sin is death. Separation, eternal separation from God because of our sin. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We just read Ephesians, right? Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So the Lord at the cross says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then all through the gospel, the New Testament, we see that we find forgiveness through what Jesus did for us at the cross. Love in action. Love for you in action. So we see the plea for pardon. I want to spend a little more time in this third point. You might be tempted to think, like, Mike is zooming through his point. He's going to be done, like, in five minutes. This third point I want to spend a lot of time in. The people's professions. What the people said. And look, in verse... 35, it says that the people and the rulers together with the people said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. Expressing their unbelief, thinking that God in the flesh, Jesus on the cross, should do what they think he should do. 
And I think there's a very, very big lesson there, beloved. Because many of us, not just out in the world, which would be very normal, but even within the church, we're still thinking, you know, if, if God is so loving, then why this? If God is all-knowing, why does he allow that? If this, then what? If God, if, if he really is, all these ifs are expressions of unbelief. And beloved, when it comes down to it, every sin that we commit comes down to an expression of our unbelief. And I would, I would encourage us to really dig deep in our hearts and, and, and analyze what, what is stopping us from really committing our lives to the Lord and just fully surrendering to Him and fully trusting Him. And I don't know that anybody actually ever does that fully, right? Hopefully we're working towards that. But I don't know that I've ever met anybody who's fully surrendered and fully trusting and fully anything. But here we see the people and the rulers expressing their unbelief. They see Jesus on the cross. They don't understand what's happening. And they say, I thought he was the Christ. You know, if you are the Christ, why don't you just save yourself? So that was, a, that was the people and the rulers. He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen one. The soldiers in verses 36 and 37 said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. The soldiers, Roman soldiers, if you are the king of the Jews, then do this. Everybody had an opinion, and everybody seems to be expressing the same unbelief. The Roman governor punches Pilate. He puts a sign. This is the king of the Jews. He knew. At the very least, he knew what Jesus claimed. Or he knew the accusation towards him. And if you remember, so interesting, the religious leaders would come and say to Pilate and Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew, hey, hey, don't put that he is the king of the Jews. Why don't you write instead, he said he was the king of the Jews. And Pilate says, hey, I already wrote what I wrote. I'm going to leave it on there. And then just to top it off, in verse 39, one of the criminals, somebody who's literally hanging on a cross next to him to his left, the Bible says blasphemes him. This is serious stuff. They're not, they're not just expressing doubt, which could be very normal even as Christians. Like we don't understand something, so we want to find out, and we, and we don't know, and we're trying to seek answers. That's not what's happening here. They're mocking him. They're expressing their unbelief, and they're mocking him by saying, like, you did that for other people. Why don't you save yourself? And even one of the criminals in verse 39 says, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. You know, the human heart is, is this. God, why don't you do what I want you to do? You might think like, yeah, that sounds like my kids. You know, I have an uncle who kind of thinks that way. No, I'm talking about you, like me, us. That is the human heart. Every human heart. Outside of Christ, we want to do whatever we want, and that's not even enough. We want God to do whatever we want him to do. And all of these people express the same sentiment. 
if you are the Christ, if you are the Messiah, if you are the chosen one. But they're mocking him. They don't understand that Jesus in the cross, they're seeing him as a victim, not as the victor. Colossians says that on the cross, Jesus was putting his grace and power on display for everyone to see, including the heavenly realm and the demonic realm, and certainly everybody who was able to see. But not everybody perceived. These people certainly didn't perceive. And what I'm saying is we don't want to fall into the same trap. We need to be careful with that. God, if this, if that. Well, I'll serve you if. I'd be more dedicated to church if. I would love my spouse if. You know, I would respect my husband if. I would love my wife if. I'd stop cheating at work if. If what? The people's profession. They expressed their unbelief And I think for many of us, we're like that. We're like that. Now, don't feel super bad. You should feel bad. But this is not me telling you what you're doing wrong. This is me expressing what we see here and submitting to you that we're all like that. And the more we begin to know God and submit to him and trust him and know him, and believe in him, the less ifs we're going to have. Our ifs will be different, like Daniel's friends. You know, right when King Nebuchadnezzar was about to throw them in the furnace, and they say, wow, King, you know, uh, we're not going to turn our back on God. Uh, We're still going to worship him because he can rescue us, but if he doesn't, we're still going to worship him. That's a very different if. Let me talk about the last point here. Because we are celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we talked about the procession towards punishment, the plea for pardon, people's professions. And then the last point I want to share with you is the promise of paradise. This is incredible. This is, this is awesome. Listen, one guy, one guy who knows he's paying for his ill deeds... He knows that what he's suffering is a just payment for what he did. And you know, Matthew says that both criminals at one point were mocking Jesus. And so we don't know exactly what transpired from when they both were mocking him to now where he's defending the Lord. And he tells the other guy, be quiet. You know, you don't fear God even when we're in this situation. You know, we're paying for our deeds, but he's done nothing wrong. And then he turns to the Lord and says, Lord... No more, if you are the Christ. He says, Lord, remember me when you come into the kingdom. This guy was like a theologian. He was about to die, so you know what he's expressing here? He knows there's life after death at the very least. He knows it's minutes, perhaps a couple of hours before they come and they break their legs and they're going to die. And he says, remember me when you enter into paradise. And he calls him Lord. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus, on the cross, turns to him and says, 
Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Beloved, amen to that. Here's everyone expressing doubt and unbelief, mocking the Son of God because they didn't understand. And beloved, how many times in our lives do we not understand what's going on? Why did this happen? I don't know. Hey, pastor, you must know. How come this occurred? I don't know. There's so many questions that we don't have answers to. There are so many circumstances in your life and mine that we wish wouldn't be so or hadn't happened. And we can do two, one of two things. We can say, Lord, if you're really that smart, why did you? And it's really an expression of unbelief where we can say, Lord, I'm so hurt that this happened, but I'm going to trust you. And I know that's hard. And I know some of us are going through the storms right now and difficulties. And that's why I encourage you to reach out to our prayer team and others. We need each other. You don't have to do it alone. But we always have that choice to express and live in unbelief or to submit ourselves to God's perfect holy plan even when we don't understand it. And so here the Lord says, today you will be with me in paradise. And, and look, living the Christian life can sometimes feel quite lonely, yeah? Maybe you're the only one in your family who has uh, professed faith in Christ. Maybe the only one in your team. Maybe the only one in, in your school. Maybe the only one in, at your job. But here's this one criminal about to die. He's hearing everybody. And he goes in the total opposite direction and expresses faith. And trust and says, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And for that, he is rewarded, that, that faith. John 3.16, like uh, Scott said earlier, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever believes or expresses faith and trust in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 11.25, Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. That is what we hang on to. Jesus' promises, he says, I am the resurrection. I don't just resurrect people. I am the resurrection. And so everybody that said, if you are the Christ, why don't you save yourself? If you are the Messiah, why don't you come down from there? If you are the Messiah, you know what the resurrection did? He proved all of their silly doubts and unbeliefs. He did save himself. He did come down from that cross, and he ascended. He's at the right hand of God the Father. He did everything they knew. These people did not lack information. They lacked faith and humility to humble themselves before God and accept him as Lord and Savior. We need to not be like them. We need to be like the criminal who accepts what God says. And yes, the Bible says we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. And yes, we all deserve punishment, eternal. That's God's plan, and he's going to do whatever he wants. But he's also loving and perfect and just. We can trust him, even if we don't understand. And I submit to you, you and I don't understand the first thing that God is up to. We got some ideas by God's word and the Holy Spirit revealing these things to us. But, beloved, Luke 24, 1 through 6, I'll finish with this. 
Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, and they and certain women with them came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared. They didn't understand, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, angels, Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, beloved. And praise God, he is risen. The tomb is empty. The cross is empty. He lives. Christ lives in me forevermore. And we praise him. We honor him for that. And the same thing he told the criminal, he tells us, today you will be with me in paradise. If we submit to his will, if we accept his gift of salvation based on what Jesus did for us at the cross, he would say to you, today you will be with me in paradise, in God's spiritual kingdom, part of his family. That's always the invitation. The Lord with open arms says, come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and you will find rest for your souls. That is always the invitation. If you have questions about that, we would love to talk to you in in detail about that. Beloved, the Lord is risen. The tomb is empty, and he lives forevermore, and he did all that to offer us eternal life. When we, amen. But unbelief, unbelief, is such a sin that is ingrained in our hearts. And to combat that, we need to know the God, we need to know God's truth. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to spend time in your word. For allowing us to look back some 2,000 years in history and see your love in action through our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. His grace, his heart to ask for those that were punishing him unjustly to be forgiven. We see Paul saying that we've been crucified together with Christ. We express that through water baptism as we identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. As 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. And we cry out to you, Abba, Father. We praise you now and forever for you are worthy. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters who are here. I ask that you would help us with our unbelief. We believe, and at the same time we say, help us with our unbelief. We want to live for you a life that honors you and glorifies your holy name. For only you are worthy. Thank you. We ask that you would dismiss us with your blessing, we pray, in the wonderful and matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.